With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the lombardi line with former nfl executive michael lombardi now here is your host stormy bonatoni on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Welcome back into this Tuesday edition of the Lombardi Line alongside longtime former NFL executive Michael Lombardi out on the East Coast. I'm Stormy Bonantoni, live from our VSIN studio at Circa Resort and Casino, just outside of the sports book. Had a great hour one, got into a lot of the news and notes in the NFL. If you missed a second of it, make sure you download the Lombardi Line in podcast form wherever you get your podcast. We're going to start off this hour, though, Michael, talking some college football. We'll continue this theme with VSIN's own Aaron Moore, who will join yep. us in about a half an hour. But to pay off the tea, we both have gone through and made our selections of who we think could be the final four teams standing. You didn't. Okay, didn't so then look at yours. this will be a reveal. But for the people at home, let's get yours first, Michael. Who are your final four? I kind of was boring. I, I went Alabama, Michigan, USC, and Georgia. Okay. And so it's somewhat boring. I took Michigan to beat USC, and I think Michigan will be the winner. And I, I'll full disclosure – I love Michigan, love Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I like Nick Saban too, so it's a rooting interest. I kind of like yours better because you went off the you went off the divergent track. <laughs> I always like that. I don't trust you can read yours. One of the coaches on the list, I'm not sure that I trust fully, but we'll go down that road. I'm not sure I fully trust it either, but you got to take a shot every now and then. They say you got to risk it to get the biscuit, Michael. But yes, <laughs> yours might be quote unquote boring because it is the top dogs, but they're the top dogs for a reason, right? Like these teams are the ones that you largely expect to get there in Georgia, Alabama, and Michigan on a year in, year out basis. You took a little bit of a shot with USC. And the, the thing I find interesting about that, and I wonder if you can sell me on it do you think that this defense for the Trojans is going to develop throughout the course of the season because if week zero and what we saw against San Jose Mm -hmm. State was any indication it looked just as bad as it did last year those guys still can't even tackle for whatever reason we saw the 57 yard run that got broke on them two touchdowns that were over 24 yard touchdowns I believe like that's not what you're looking for against a group of five program, let alone when you get deep in the season and have to face offenses like Notre Dame and Oregon and Washington. Yeah, I, you know, Stormy, I really have this belief that sometimes, and I think it happened with the great Mike Leach, God rest his soul, sometimes these offensive coaches are so 
concerned about offense and they they coach as head coaches as offensive coordinators and they really never make their defense tough enough. Mm-hmm. They never make their defense tough enough to win to win hard games. And that's what bothers me about USC. It's always about we'll just outscore you. We'll get into a track meet, we'll outscore you and we'll win. I got it. You're good. You can do that in the Pac-12 or what was the Pac-12. I don't know if you could do it all the time. I don't know if you can sustain that. That's what worries me. I don't think it's an accident they're not good on defense. I think it's just the way Lincoln Riley's program is. Now, when they had Venables in Oklahoma, you know, it, it was it was different, you know, and, and they were able to to play a little bit better. You know, he went to Clemson. Now he's back at Oklahoma. I don't know. I, I just think it's hard. Oklahoma had the same issues defensively. You remember? Mm-hmm. Yep. And this... This USC team is going to light up the scoreboard offensively. We we know that. You know, this is going to be a team that, while odds makers will adjust to it, is likely going to be a team that you're targeting overs on pretty frequently because the defense isn't great and the offense is really, really good. And you've got a guy that's trying to be the first Heisman Trophy winner to go back-to-back since the 70s. It's a special guy. It's a special team in a lot of areas. I'm just, ugh, I, just, ugh, I just look at their schedule and I see four of the last six weeks of their schedule that have these high-powered offenses they have to take on. And I wonder if you can count on a situation where you have to win in a shootout week in, week out. I love the Michigan pick. And so now we'll turn the focus to where I put my four, Michael, because I went back and forth on Michigan about 50 times, but I wanted to take a shot and out of the Big Ten, I took Penn State and you referenced it, not trusting one of my coaches. 10 out of 10, I'm guessing you're talking about James Franklin. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I mean, you know, look, he's got a good team. Clifford, what worries me is Clifford played better at Green Bay this summer than I thought ever thought him, saw him play at Penn State at State College. And I'll argue that with anybody. Like, I didn't see this in Clifford. Give Brian Gutekist and the, and the Packers staff, they saw something I didn't see. So, look, Penn State's recruited well. They've got a lot of players. I'm rooting for them. I am. I mean, I, I come to work and I have to travel about 15 blocks and I'll see 30 Penn State flags. So I live in the Penn State world, right? Like I live in this world. I don't and I don't mind it. It's not bad for me. It's not yeah. as, you know, the Philadelphia Eagle world gets a little harder <laughs> because I have some interest in other teams. So the Penn State world doesn't bother me as much. Yes, and I don't blame you for not trusting James Franklin. I it is a shot for a reason. But the reason I put them in there was because I don't think that it's as much of a two-horse race between Michigan and Ohio State like everybody else does. I really think the gap is going to be shorter than that. With Sean Clifford moving on after 80 years in college football, I really like Drew Aller. And I think he is a player, just 19 years old, but a four-star recruit out of high school. Number two pocket passer in the nation in the ESPN 2022 300. He has had the opportunity to learn last year is going to stay in that system. Same coaching staff carries over and he's the type of player I think could really be a difference maker in those key games against the top tier programs in, in the big 10. And even if you don't win both of those games against Ohio state and Michigan, I think you just have to not lose them both and not lose badly. If you win one of those games, you're going to have an opportunity to play for the big 10 title. And if you win that, then the sky's the limit. I like a lot of what they have. I think this might be the best roster James Franklin has had since the last time they won the Big Ten. And I'm really, really excited about their running backs. They have maybe the best offensive linemen in college football and fashion new. So 
I'm taking a shot with them. I'm also taking a shot with Washington and year two under Caleb DeBoer. Caleb DeBoer, what a turnaround that program had. Michael Penix Jr., uh, another one of those quarterbacks that if he stays healthy, has potential, I think, to be in that Heisman conversation down the line. So I took a shot off the board, going elsewhere in the Pac-12 other than USC. I've got Georgia and LSU in there. That will be my championship game, though. I do have an all-SEC title tilt. And I got Brian Kelly coming out on top of this thing. That roster is loaded, Michael, and I really think they could yeah. get after it. We, we kind of made the joke um, earlier after the College World Series when Jay Johnson and LSU won the national championship in his second year as a head coach. Kim Mulkey in women's basketball, they won the national yeah. championship at LSU her second year as a head coach. I'm, I'm sensing a theme here. I think Brian Kelly could get it done. Yeah, let me ask you this. Let's go back to Penn State for a second. Kyle McCord was named the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Do you think Penn State is is better than Ohio State? Let's keep Michigan out of the conversation. I think Michigan is the best team in the Big Ten. Do you think that Penn State's the second best team? I think that it's going to be a tough – they're going to have to earn it, Michael, right? I think that Ohio State has year in and year out proven that they are – they and Michigan are the top dogs. And so it's going to take somebody supplanting them and proving that they're better than, but I think Ohio state for once has a question mark at a position that typically they come in with a lot of confidence in. And maybe that gives Penn state a little bit of an edge. Like it took Ohio state a while to settle on what they were going to do. Meanwhile, Penn state has had this kind of guy, young talent, in waiting that I keep hearing nothing about nothing more, but just about what a cerebral player he is, how accurate he is. Six, five, two forty two hard guy to take down. I think head to head Penn state has a much better chance than people are giving them right now to be either that number two or number one team in the league. I do. Yeah. I mean, if ours is, is as good as the ESPN rating says he is in terms of the pocket, their talent level matches up with anybody. I mean, they're the LSU really of the Northeast. They've got a lot of players like LSU does. And I think it's not a a play that you're wrong with. I think it's all going to come down to can Aller run. I think Manny Diaz last year defensively was good for them. I think he did a good job and they've improved and they're still good on defense. So I don't think you're off the track. Same thing, like I wanted to put Washington in mind uh, only because I thought Washington would be tougher and do all those things Mm -hmm. uh, because I love Michael Penix Jr., but I just, you know, kind of I went I went too conservative and I'm mad at myself because I do think Washington's a good sleeper team. I think Jennifer Cohen, who's now went to USC as the athletic director, she hired, made a great hire in Kalen DeBoer. And then he made a great decision mm-hmm. because remember when Penix played at Indiana without DeBoer when he was at Fresno State, he wasn't the same player. I think the second year he'll be even better. This team, Michael, went from four and eight before Kalen DeBoer took over to 11 and two last year in a bowl win over Texas. And you look at the losses that they had. I hate to say it, but total trap game at UCLA followed up by a slump appearance at ASU. They beat all the big dogs on their schedule, including four nationally ranked opponents. And they're going to have all of the opportunity with a challenging schedule this year that if they're able to win those games, I think are going to be very, very deserving of a spot, especially considering you get the head to heads late in the season at home against Utah and then on the road uh, in the Coliseum against USC going like two potential Heisman candidates going head to 
head-to-head proving mano a mano who's going to be the better guy on that given day I think is going to be really exciting down the stretch and in addition to the power five opponents that Washington plays they're going to open up the season this week against Boise State which is one of the best group of five programs in the nation so yeah I'm really excited to see the potential for Washington and so I did I got a little risky I took a couple shots with my CFP Michael but I love it but I don't think that you're off the mark at all with your picks like I know they're not like exciting and hot takey but they're very solid programs and could very easily end up there I I just think Alabama is going to be different this year I think Nick Saban was embarrassed last year and when you give up 52 points to Tennessee and you're a defensive coach by trade and you and you watch the secondary like nothing else and you coach the secondary even though you have a secondary coach I think they're going to be way better defensively. Now, does that mean it's going to translate to their offense? I think that'll sort itself out the first month of September as they play some of these easy teams. But I think defensively is why I'm counting on them being the Final Four. It's interesting. Defensively, that's why you're counting on them. But USC, you're riding with that defense? Come on, Michael. i got to understand the logic here. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. We'll have plenty more college football, though, throughout the course of this hour. Aaron Moore is going to join us in just a little bit, break down his best plays of week one. But when we return, what's on Michael's mind? There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. It's football season, and the GM Shuffle podcast is a must-listen for any and all football fans. Hear from our guy, former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. He's going to give his unfiltered opinion on players, teams, coaching decisions. This happens every Monday and Thursday all throughout the football season. You can download and subscribe to the GM Shuffle podcast from VSIN and DraftKings today, wherever you get your podcast. Michael and Femi do a great job every single edition. This week's, this week's Monday episode is pretty fiery, Michael. You're fiery. Well, yeah, I love it because Femi gets me going, you know, with his constant, like he, he hasn't seen enough of Tony Pollard yet to classify him great. 
And of course, he hasn't seen enough of Trey Lance. Like, I don't know how much more you need to see. Like, you can't, you know, I told him the story. I said, Bill Walsh watched one play of Charles Haley, shut the projector off and said, have we seen enough guys? Like, he keeps wanting more. Like, I, I don't know. And so he gets me going. You know, he gets me going. He can, this is a man that can watch four games at one time, but he hasn't seen enough. Like, I don't get this. I'm still laughing at your comment from earlier when you we were talking about the Cardinals' history with Josh Rosen. You said, hey, Femi probably still wants to see more of Josh Rosen, huh? Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm not sold that Josh Rosen. You know, I need to see more. I mean, it's like... At some point, you got you know. At some point, you got to. As Al Davis is saying to me all the time, at some point, kid, you got to play in the game. Yeah. Uh, anybody, by the way, if you missed any of the Cardinals news, we cover it in the early portion of the program. You can download the Lombardi line as well in podcast form. But Colt McCoy no longer with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray put on PUP, but it looks like Josh Dobbs most likely to be the starter week one for the Cardinals. Although Jonathan Gannon has not announced a starter, said he wants to keep that close to the vest against Washington for a competitive <laughs> advantage today. Is the line won't move. That vest, <laughs> nope. how close he keeps it, that line's not going to move. Like that, there right a, there at seven. I, I, if it moves anywhere, I think it's going to go to seven and a half, you know? <laughs> there you go. Um, also, with today being NFL cut down day, all of the 32 rosters in the league trying to get down to that 53-man roster by the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. That's also the deadline for PUP, the deadline for Jonathan Taylor, whether or not he gets traded or not. And a little update on the situation for anyone who might not know. Field Yates posted this on Twitter of ESPN earlier today that if the Colts don't remove Jonathan Taylor from PUP by that deadline, he's going to be out for the first four games of the season, regardless of whether or not he is with the Indianapolis Colts or traded today. So this is another element and a wrinkle in the Jonathan Taylor saga we have to monitor over the, the next few hours. But he can be traded, though, Stormy, from the PUP list. He goes from one PUP list to the trade. Like, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it, like, at four o'clock, this deadline isn't league imposed. This deadline is Chris Ballard imposed. So he can still be traded if they don't get a deal done. So it's not going to end right then. And he can, even though you're on the PUP list, you can get, you can get traded from the IR list. Right. I think it's more just the the thought process for fans at home, Michael, understanding that if he gets traded from PUP list to PUP list, that um, wherever he gets traded, he's not going to play. Yeah. And that would be, I'm sure. So what do you know about his injury, by the way? I know you talk to a lot of the people in the league. Is this is him still being on this list? Just one of those things, essentially, as part of his hold in? Or is there any concern about a physical for Jonathan Taylor? No, I, I, I think, you know, this is legit, right? So when you enter a team, when you come into a team at the beginning of training camp, you must take a physical. And that physical has nothing to do with your agent. That has nothing to do with anything other than what the doctor sees in the physical. And so if he doesn't feel like he can put him on the field or clear him, then he's going to fail him on the physical. You go on PUP. And I think that's what happened. Now, how long it takes him to rehab, how long it takes him to come back, different story. You know, that's going to be, it could take more time. That being said, you know, I, I think ultimately he's got to prove he can stay, he can get there. I think it would speed along if he got a new contract. You know, nothing mm-hmm. says I'll be ready in a hurry <laughs> more than money. How many times have we seen that one, Michael? Yes, no question there. Yeah. Um, we'll monitor as much of the situation as we can while we are on air. But regardless, tomorrow we're going to know one way or the other what way this plays out with Indianapolis and Jonathan Taylor. But Michael, for these last uh, couple minutes here of the segment as we switch gears 
Usually around this time, we do what's on Michael's mind. And today, oh, yeah. this was an item I initially thought about putting in news or noise and was excited that you thought there was a lot of value to this conversation and wanted to bring it up further. Where Ron Rivera admitted in an interview with Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated that he wasn't aware of how good Sam Howell was throughout the 2022 season. Otherwise, he would have named him a starter sooner. Said in the interview when he was talking to his wife, Stephanie, quote, all we effing talked about was the quarterback, what the quarterback did, who he was. I kept saying, bleep, if I would have known this, I would have played him sooner. When you only have so much time to show it, it's hard. I keep thinking, God, but after that game, the week 18 start at the end of the year, everything told me this kid, give him the opportunity and see what he does with it. And it's interesting, Michael, because you remember that wasn't even Rivera's idea to start him in that game. Taylor Heineke went to the coaches and said he thought Sam Howell deserved the, the start and to have an opportunity to play a full game. So what's on your mind as it pertains to the Rivera and Sam Howell's discussion? Well, what was he watching? Okay, so Sam Howell took all the reps for 16 weeks as the show team quarterback. And if you're the defense, if you're the head coach, you're watching the offense, you're watching the defense. And you're watching the show team quarterback. I can't tell you how many times I've walked off the practice field watching the show team players and saying to Belichick, hey, that guy's really coming. We need to, we need to spend some time with it. Like, you're fully vested in the team. And one of the things that drives me crazy about the NFL is, is this, we don't react to problems until the offseason. There's no in-season research and development. We wait until the end of the year when it's way too late. And he's the guy who's a head coach. He doesn't call plays offensively. He doesn't call plays defensively. Was he watching practice tape? He was at practice, but obviously wasn't paying attention. You mean to tell me he didn't? it didn't strike upon him to say, wow, Hal looks really good. Now, I know he's going against cards, and I wrote about this in my book, Gridiron Genius. There's some players that we call card players. If you tell them where to go by the card, they're great. If they have to think and go, not so good. And so that's what happens. Like, what was he doing? Like, to me, if I'm Josh Harris, I have now in the last 30 days have listened to Ron Rivera talk about how the players think that the enemy's being too rough on them and they're complaining. And I, he, he deferred it to the enemy. No leadership. Then he admits that he wasn't even paying attention to his team last year. Like, how are you really ever going to think that this is the guy you want to build your franchise around? Like, he's admitting that he's not doing the work. Like, that's what a head coach does. He watches the team. He changes the, re- the tenor of the team based on what he's watching at practice, especially if you're not calling plays. Well, Michael, I hate to take the low-hanging fruit here, but this is also the same guy who, in that Week 17 game against the Browns, didn't even know that they could be eliminated in that spot. So, there's... What is he doing all day, Stormy? What is he doing? Like, what is... I'm the idiot that put in the guy that I think they can go over six and a half because he's got a good team. (laughs) He does. A scoring defense that was number seven in the league, third in yards allowed, but an offense last year that we know was rough to watch. 18 point something points per game is not enough. Trusting in Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke going back and forth in that. And I do want to say, I understand like how much sooner would you have started Sam Howell last season? We don't know. I'm not necessarily sure that that week 17 game against the Browns that was a critical game to see whether or not you could still put yourself in a position to make the playoffs would have been the ideal spot to have a rookie make his first start in the NFL. 
Carson Wentz and his three picks and no touchdowns didn't help the cause either. <laughs> but... You know, I could understand that maybe not being the game you want to start a guy. I wonder just what could have been, though, if he had seen a little bit earlier what he sees now in his young quarterback. Well, all year during your season, all year you're assessing your team, strengths, weaknesses, what do we need to improve? Because all year you're building your team needs list for the offseason. So, you know, I watched the Washington first games, two games, and Wentz was so bad after the Tennessee game. I said on my podcast with Femi, like, like they're, they got to get him out of there. They got to get him out. of. He's no good. Well, once you know he's no good, you move the second guy up and you move like it's just you, mm-hmm. you can't have this. I'm not going to pay attention or he's too young. You know, every player's too young. You got to give him a chance to play. And, and if you know something about one player, why would you put him back in the game? For Ron Rivera, um, his commander's team did win the division his initial year, but all three seasons he's been the head coach. They've been sub-500. This is a franchise that has not won a playoff game since 2005. You have new ownership that is not tied to Ron Rivera, so it makes you wonder how hot that seat is for the head coach out there. There are, by the way, there are odds out there in various places for who the first head coach to be let go this season would be. You obviously never want to root for that for a guy, but I'm just saying Ron Rivera sitting there seven to one. Just going to throw that out. Yeah. There. I mean, look, he's the, he's got to be the leader in the clubhouse, right? He, think. Mike McCarthy I mean, they get off to a and slow Todd start. Bowles are among the top I don't three. Think, I don't think it's Jerry's style to, I mean, I know he promoted Jason Garrett as the interim, but, but that was, I mean, I don't think that's Jerry's style. I really don't. Jerry style is just talk, talk, talking, Michael. That's all we know for sure. That's all we know for sure. Jerry can sell. <laughs> we're he gonna, can sell. We're going to take a quick timeout. Back to college football on the other side of the break with VEASAN's own Aaron Moore. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni on VEASAN, the sports betting network. It's football season, and the GM Shuffle podcast is a must-listen for any and all football fans. Hear from our guy, former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. He's going to give his unfiltered opinion on players, teams, coaching decisions. This happens every Monday and Thursday all throughout the football season. You can download and subscribe to the GM Shuffle podcast from VSIN and DraftKings today, wherever you get your podcast. Michael and Femi do a great job every single edition. This week's, this week's Monday episode is pretty fiery, Michael. You're fiery. Well, yeah, I love it because Femi gets me going, you know, with his constant like he he hasn't seen enough of Tony Pollard yet to classify him great. And of course, he hasn't seen enough of Trey Lance. Like, I don't know how much more you need to see. Like, you can't you know, I told him the story. I said, Bill Walsh watched one play of Charles Haley, shut the projector off and said, have we seen enough guys? Like he keeps wanting more. Like, I I don't know. And so he gets me going. You know, he gets me going. (laughs) This is a man that can watch four games at one time, but he hasn't seen enough. Like, I don't get this. I'm still laughing at your comment from earlier when you were talking about the Cardinals history with Josh Rosen. You said, hey, Femi probably still wants to see more of Josh Rosen, huh? Yeah, I'm sure he does. I'm not sold that Josh Rosen. You know, I need to see more. I mean, it's like 
at some point you got you know at some point you got to as Al Davis is saying to me all the time at some point kid you got to play in the game. Yeah. Uh, anybody by the way if you missed any of the Cardinals news we cover it in the early portion of the program you can download the Lombardi line as well in podcast form but Colt McCoy no longer with the Arizona Cardinals Kyler Murray put on PUP but it looks like Josh Dobbs most likely to be the starter week one for the Cardinals although Jonathan Gannon has not announced the starter said he wants to keep that close to the vest against Washington for a competitive <laughs> advantage today is the line won't move that vest <laughs> nope. how close he keeps it that line's not going to move like that, there, right like, there at seven I, I, if it moves anywhere I think it's going to go to seven and a half you know <laughs> There you go. Um, Also, with today being NFL cut down day, all of the 32 rosters in the league trying to get down to that 53-man roster by the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline. That's also the deadline for PUP, the deadline for Jonathan Taylor, whether or not he gets traded or not. And a little update on the situation for anyone who might not know. Field Yates posted this on Twitter of ESPN earlier today, that if the Colts don't remove Jonathan Taylor from PUP by that deadline, he's going to be out for the first four games of the season, regardless of whether or not he is with the Indianapolis Colts or traded today. So this is another element and a wrinkle in the Jonathan Taylor saga we have to monitor over the the next few hours. But he can be traded, though, Stormy, from the PUP list. He goes from one PUP list to the trade. Like, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, at 4 o'clock, this deadline isn't league-imposed. This deadline is Chris Ballard-imposed. So he can still be traded if they don't get a deal done. So it's not going to end right then. And he can, even though you're on the PUP list, you can get, you can get traded from the IR list. Right. I think it's more just the the thought process for fans at home, Michael, understanding that if he gets traded from PUP list to PUP list, that um, wherever he gets traded, anywhere. he's not going right. to play. Yeah. And that would be, I'm sure. So what do you know about his injury, by the way? I know you talked to a lot of the people in the league. Is this is him still being on this list just one of those things essentially as part of his hold in? Or is there any concern about a physical for Jonathan Taylor? No, I, I, I think, you know, this is legit, right? So when you enter a team, when you come into a team at the beginning of training camp, you must take a physical, and that physical has nothing to do with your agent. That has nothing to do with anything other than what the doctor sees in the physical. And so if he doesn't feel like he can put him on the field or clear him, then he's going to fail him on the physical. You go on PUP. And I think that's what happened. Now, how long it takes him to rehab, how long it takes him to come back, different story. You know, that's going to be – it could take more time. That being said – you know, I, I think ultimately he's got to prove he can stay, he can get there. I think it would speed along if he got a new contract. You know, nothing mm-hmm. says I'll be ready in a hurry <laughs> more than money. How many times have we seen that one, Michael? Yes, no question there. Yeah. Um, we'll monitor as much of the situation as we can while we are on air. But regardless, tomorrow we're going to know one way or the other what way this plays out with Indianapolis and Jonathan Taylor. But, Michael, for these last uh, couple minutes here of the segment as we – switch gears usually around this time we do what's on michael's mind and today this was an item i initially thought about putting in news or noise and was excited that you thought there was a lot of value to this conversation and wanted to bring it up further where ron rivera admitted in an interview with albert breer of sports illustrated that he wasn't aware of how good sam howell was throughout the 2022 season otherwise he would have named him a starter sooner said in the interview when he was talking to his wife stephanie quote all we effing talked about was the quarterback, what the quarterback did, who he was. I kept saying, bleep, 
If I would have known this, I would have played him sooner. When you only have so much time to show it, it's hard. I keep thinking, God. But after that game, the week 18 start at the end of the year, everything told me this kid, give him the opportunity and see what he does with it. And it's interesting, Michael, because you remember that wasn't even Rivera's idea to start him in that game. Taylor Heineke went to the coaches and said he thought Sam Howell deserved the the start and to have an opportunity to play a full game. So what's on your mind as it pertains to the Rivera and Sam Howell's discussion? Well, what was he watching? Okay, so Sam Howell took all the reps for 16 weeks as the show team quarterback. And if you're the defense, if you're the head coach, you're watching the offense, you're watching the defense. And you're watching the show team quarterback. I can't tell you how many times I've walked off the practice field watching the show team players and saying to Belichick, hey, that guy's really coming. We need to, we need to spend some time with it. Like, you're fully vested in the team. And one of the things that drives me crazy about the NFL is, is this, we don't react to problems until the offseason. There's no in-season research and development. We wait until the end of the year when it's way too late. And he's the guy who's a head coach. He doesn't call plays offensively. He doesn't call plays defensively. Was he watching practice tape? He was at practice, but obviously wasn't paying attention. You mean to tell me he didn't? it didn't strike upon him to say, wow, Hal looks really good. Now, I know he's going against cards, and I wrote about this in my book, Gridiron Genius. There's some players that we call card players. If you tell them where to go by the card, they're great. If they have to think and go, not so good. And so that's what happens. Like, what was he doing? Like, to me, if I'm Josh Harris, I have now in the last 30 days have listened to Ron Rivera talk about how the players think that the enemy's being too rough on them and they're complaining. And I, he, he deferred it to be enemy. No leadership. Then he admits that he wasn't even paying attention to his team last year. Like, how are you really ever going to think that this is the guy you want to build your franchise around? Like, he's admitting that he's not doing the work. Like, that's what a head coach does. He watches the team. He changes the, re- the tenor of the team based on what he's watching at practice, especially if you're not calling plays. Well, Michael, I hate to take the low-hanging fruit here, but this is also the same guy who, in that Week 17 game against the Browns, didn't even know that they could be eliminated in that spot. So yeah. it, there's... What is I, he doing all day, Stormy? What is he doing? Like, what is... I, I'm the idiot that put in the guy that I think they can go over six and a half because he's got a good team. <laughs> he does. It's a scoring defense that was number seven in the league, third in yards allowed, but an offense last year that we know was rough to watch. 18 point something points per game is not enough. Trusting in Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke going back and forth in that. And I do want to say, I understand like how much sooner would you have started Sam Howell last season? We don't know. I'm not necessarily sure that that week 17 game against the Browns that was a critical game to see whether or not you could still put yourself in a position to make the playoffs would have been the ideal spot to have a rookie make his first start in the NFL. Carson Wentz and his three picks and no touchdowns didn't help the cause either. (laughs) But, you know, I could understand that maybe not being the game you want to start a guy. I wonder just what could have been, though, if he had seen a little bit earlier what he sees now in his young quarterback. Well, all year during your season, all year you're assessing your team, strengths, weaknesses, what do we need to improve? Because all year you're building your team needs list for the offseason. So, you know, I watched the Washington first games, two games, and Wentz was so bad. After the Tennessee game, 
I said on my podcast with Femi, like, like they're they got to get him out of there. They got to get him out of. He's no good. Well, once you know he's no good, you move the second guy up, and you move like. It's just you mm-hmm. You can't have this, I'm not going to pay attention, or he's too young. You know, every player's too young. you got to give him a chance to play. And, and if you know something about one player, why would you put him back in the game? For Ron Rivera, um, his commander's team did win the division his initial year, but all three seasons he's been the head coach. They've been sub-500. This is a franchise that has not won a playoff game since 2005. You have new ownership that is not tied to Ron Rivera, so it makes you wonder how hot that seat is for the head coach out there. There are, by the way, there are odds out there in various places for who the first head coach to be let go this season would be. You obviously never want to root for that for a guy, but I'm just saying Ron Rivera sitting there seven to one. Just going to throw that out yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, look, he's the, he's got to be the leader in the clubhouse, right? He, think. Mike McCarthy, I mean, they get off to a and slow Todd start. Bowles are among the top I don't three. Think, I don't think it's Jerry's style. to. I mean, I know he promoted Jason Garrett as the interim, but, but that was, I mean, I don't think that's Jerry's style. I really don't. Jerry style is just talk, talk, talking, Michael. That's all we know for sure. That's all we know for sure. Jerry can sell. <laughs> we're he gonna, can sell. We're going to take a quick timeout. Back to college football on the other side of the break with VEASAN's own Aaron Moore. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com and check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public's betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits, another way vcin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. You can check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. vcin.com, also where you can find our pro tip. 
tips every single day here at the network searchable by sport and by show. And our pro tip today, Michael centers around kind of the thought process of home field advantage. And we talk about it a lot in college football and NFL. There used to be this old thought process that playing at home, no matter what is it, three points into the point spread, right? We've learned over time that's not the case. And I think we're also starting to learn that some of these quote unquote home field advantages that were once truly advantages and were maybe worth a little bit more aren't anymore. Yeah. And I think Seattle's the perfect example. Like how much, so we're going to continue to do these shows up until next Sunday when they play and they host the Rams. And all we're going to hear about is how Lumen Field is so hard to play and yada, 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 and how great that is up there. Well, I mean, you know, since 2015, they're 41, 24, and 17. You know, there's 17 games above 500, right? You know, and, and, the, and since 2020, they're just 15 and 10. Now, there was a time when it was hard. They were 22 and 2 back during their Super Bowl teams. Home field advantage is really about how good are you up front in your defensive line. And Seattle's defensive line since that 14 season hasn't been the same. Hence why they're struggling to win at home. So just don't assume because they're playing in Seattle that it's such a disadvantage. The Rams know how to play up there. Mm -hmm. The Rams understand how to handle the crowd noise up there. So maybe it's a half a point, no more. And conversely, you have some home field advantages like the Rams that are non-existent in SoFi Stadium. How many times when you see them play the 49ers, is it a sea of red in that building? So just things that I think are certainly worth taking into account as we get set for this NFL season getting underway in just about, what, 10 days is it now? We're getting getting close. Uh, Free daily betting tips, though, on vcin.com as always. And this is a good conversation to lead us into our rankings. So... Uh, Michael and I have laid out our top five NFL fan bases. And this isn't exclusively based on like, who's the most popular team, the best team right now. That's not how we did it. Um, Also, just because you at home think that you're a fan of a team, therefore your team must be a top five fan base. That's not the case either. That's not how we played this out. Um, But I'm excited to see your list, Michael. So coming in at number five, who you got? I, I took the rate. Look, so let me give you a little background on mine. Okay. I, it's all about when I go to a stadium, how many jerseys do I see of the okay. team's history in the stands, right? And the Raider Nation, they come strong. They come heavy or they don't come at all. They're, you know, yep. they could have been the L.A. team. Now they're the Las Vegas team. What I will say to you is what Al Davis used to say to me all the time. It's the Raiders, and the had to be in front of Raiders. It was never just Raiders. It was the Raiders, like the president, the that, White isn't House. It, the it Raiders. It's more like that, right? The Raiders, the Raiders. right? <laughs> and they're everywhere. They're, I mean, yeah. we have a contingent here in New Jersey, the, the, the Jersey Shore Raider alumni. They're here. It, they're everywhere, and it's wonderful, and they're global. I mean, you go, you, when the Raiders played the game in Mexico City, I mean, they're, they're in full force down there. I also had Raider Nation coming in at five on, on my list, Michael, because I feel like it's not a fan base. It's an identity and they could be yeah. 16, 17 and 0 or 0 and 17 and you would still have those fans in your face. So I'm with you that they are certainly oh, yeah. a top five fan base for number four. I personally put Houdat Nation. I went with the Saints. I think while I know, yes, they're more of like a regional appeal than national, nearly every single person that you meet or you see out there in the area is repping the saints. They're repping who nation. Yeah. Um, they crush the TV ratings there. I just think that they're a really, really legit fan base. 
Yeah, and it's a fun city to go to, and, and their fans are great. I mean, you know, you, you've got to go. I don't know if you've done one yet, but an LSU game up in Baton Rouge is, is an incredible experience. A nighttime LSU Baton Rouge game is incredible. Same thing with the Saints. I mean, it's just such a party atmosphere. They're, they come strong. They're, they're there. My fourth team, and a lot of it is because I'm, I'm a little bit influenced by where I live, but there's a lot of Cowboy fans here, and they're partly the reason for that. And there are Cowboy fans everywhere. Look, Femi grew up in Seattle, and he's a Cowboy mm-hmm. fan. It's the, the national appeal that hasn't gone away. I mean, this was America's team for a long time, and those tentacles have still gained roots. I don't know if they're still the same popularity that they were when Tom Landry was there and Gil Brandt and all those, the Tex Ram, but it's a huge fan base that is, that is truly global. I understand the appeal for Jerry's world and the the – the Cowboys nation and fandom and all of that. I would put them on my top five of most annoying fan bases. Sorry, Femi, (laughs) RIP. I think they're like a little bit corporate now, though. I don't know if that venue is as loud as it used to be. I like the fans are there, but I mean, they're certainly the largest and most valuable franchise. I just don't know if they're the best fan base. So I'm just going to leave it there. Um, Who's your number three, Michael? Who you got three? Well, I, I'll, I, a little bit, too, with my list. I didn't add this to begin with. It's every time I write about certain teams, whether, you know, for the vison.com article or if I tweet something about a team, there's a re- the reaction that I get back kind of signals the, the, uh, the volatility within <laughs> the fan base. My third team is the Patriots. Now, it's not a hard place to play up at Gillette Stadium. I grant you that, that, that you can win there. But their fan base is pretty much all over the country because they've won so much, you know, and maybe because I'm so close to the program, I get a sense of New England Patriot fans that extend forever. And it makes me feel like they are strong, and I think they are. And I think they've been spoiled because mm-hmm. of all the success. Maybe that's why I didn't have them in my top five, because I think they're too spoiled. And again, I would put them in top five <laughs> most annoying, but no, I'm just giving you a hard time. I, I it's, no, They I'm were sh- for just such a long time. You're like, leave me alone. So I agree. The dedication is there, but a little too spoiled for my blood. A franchise that has not been spoiled. Bills Mafia. They are my number three, Michael. Bad at football for most of the last 20 years. The weather is awful, and these guys are still just jumping, smashing tables, drinking beer out of thumb holes and bowling balls, blowing vuvuzelas for God knows what reason why. They're dedicated, they're wild, they're fun. So I had Buffalo at number three. And then number two for me, I went Cheeseheads. I'm going Packers. I saw a quote um, uh, uh, online that said, Cheeseheads are willing to marry, divorce, remarry, even abandon their mothers for a shot at season tickets. The waiting list has more than 137,000 <laughs> people on it. 99% of their season ticket holders renew every single year top attendance in the nfl despite being the smallest market in the u.s they still get tv ratings and social media followers engagement all the things so green bay two and i had steelers nation number one i'm honestly shocked that the terrible towel michael hasn't become a state flag and we know they're one of those fan bases that travels in droves so that's how my top three shook out after the patriots at three who's your two and your number one well, I live in Philly, and they're they're here, they're everywhere. They you can't they, they, <laughs> they go no matter where. I was out the other night with Bill Berman to celebrate his birthday again, and you know all you see is Eagle shirts, t-shirts. I mean, it's everywhere. You can't go to Wawa around here without an Eagle cup. I mean, it's just it's everywhere, and they come out and they come out in full force. But I'm with you. 
The one thing I loved about going to Three River Stadium or Heinz Field or what they call it now is it, it was really a walk down memory lane to see Rocky Blyer's jersey sitting next to a guy that had uh, Franco Harris's jersey or Bradshaw's jersey. You know, that terrible towel with Myron Cope. I just made me sick when I had to listen to it. Uh, but I respect them. And when you write about the Steelers, you, you better say something nice or they're coming for you. They're going to come hard for you. You know, that's the one thing. Same thing with Bills. I don't disagree with you on the Bills Mafia. They're going to come for you. I'll tell you the one that, that has a very secret, strong base, I think we've seen it and experienced it, is the 49ers. Mm. Like, they're passionate. They're passionate. You know, I know they have a reputation for being a Chardonnay drinking crowd, but uh, uh, you write something about them or you say something about that team that's not that they don't like, they're coming for you. And I'm one of them. 49ers faithful, baby. The faithful, as they say. Love I love, though, that we both had the same number one, that we both said like it was clear in our minds as we were making these lists that the Pittsburgh Steelers are the number one fan base in all of the NFL. Uh, a group that similarly, like bad weather again, but been loyal for 30 years. They're a franchise that at times turned... Super Bowls at neutral fields into home field advantages. It's just, it's really, really cool. I also contemplated for a brief moment because of how rough historically things have been for them, putting the Cleveland Browns in here, but I couldn't do it. They got a great fan base. They do. They're good. But I just have one. Yeah. And I couldn't do it just because while the fans who have stayed loyal are dedicated and are awesome. I also remember watching games, which is like not a soul in the stands. And when you did see them, they had the paper bags over their heads. So I was like, all right, I'm going to stay off of this one. I can't wait for the social media reaction for our top five. Make sure you tweet at us. Give us your thoughts on the top five. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Lombardi line. Same time, same place tomorrow. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 